What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it again. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. That's Heath Cummings. Our buddy Adam taking a little vacation. So he's going to be off for the next, uh, I guess, four shows or so. So you're stuck listening to me. But hopefully we'll entertain you just the same. So guys, today we're talking about a subject that I don't really love. I don't think a lot of us like talking about players, especially star players who are going to be failures. But today's topic is about busts. So the fantasy busts that we're looking at for the upcoming season. And it's really hard to qualify in April what a bust is because for me, I don't know if you guys look at it this way, but for me, it's always about, you know, average draft position when these guys are being selected and uh, clearly what the value is by comparison to how we think they're going to perform. And in this case, we're going to think that they're going to perform most likely poorly. So uh, before we get into the meat of the show, just want to get, you know, quick take, uh, Dave, your most confident bust. And, and, and I think that's a really weird, weird way to qualify it. But the, the bust that you think is going to uh, actually come to fruition, the guy that you think is going to clearly fail based on the expectations of maybe having some still success going into the uh, upcoming season. We were so excited about how Amon Ross St. Brown finished 2021. And I just, I, I can't see him replicating anything close to what he did in that five or six week span that he had uh, going into 2022, because he did a lot of that without TJ Hawkinson on the field. He did a lot of that without DeAndre Swift on the field. He definitely did all that without DJ Shark on the field because Shark was on a completely different team. And I just, I, I, there were some metrics that he had that I didn't like. He averaged 11 yards per catch. That's not very high. His A dot was right around seven targets inside of 10 yards. So this is near the goal line. Two, all those stats rank outside the top 25 amongst receivers from week 13 until the end of the season. So if he's not getting that crazy high target volume that he had, early or basically in that time week 13 on he's not going to come anywhere close to being what he was he might not even be half as good as what he was in that final stretch and i think that's the like the people who defend amon ross st brown would say he doesn't have to be a top six wide receiver like he was it, that's not going to make him a bust if he's not that he's being drafted as the number 22 wide receiver in full pp too high and i i mostly agree i've got him as a wide receiver three but I do think it, I like his chances a lot better of justifying ADP than repeating what he did over that six or seven oh, game sure. sample. 
Yeah, right now, you know, uh, based on the NFC ADP, which is something you hear us reverence a lot, it's a high leagues stake, a high stakes league, excuse me, <laughs> high league stake, a high stakes league uh, that we we reference their ADP all the time. Uh, he's going currently as a 20th receiver off the board, 53rd overall. So uh, could Forget be a little it. bit too soon, you know, based on how things are going to shake out. And again, we're talking about this prior to the NFL draft. And so that could push some guys up, push some guys down. Uh, but I think we all kind of agree that Amon Ross St. Brown feels like a bust. Uh, he's a guy that I've written about as well as a bust in both versions of the bust column that I've already written. Yes, I've written two bust columns already uh, by April. Uh, so that's Dave's guy. That <laughs> you hate to talk about confident. it, but I've already written two bust columns, everybody. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, the guy that you're most confident in failing, Heath, would be who? You know, I, I I actually went a different direction when I wrote mine and did it by the consensus rankings at Fantasy Pros because I don't really trust any ADP this early. But thankfully, he's even higher in NFC ADP than he is in the consensus rankings. So I feel even more confident. Joe Burrow is currently QB4. Yep. Yeah. According to NFC ADP, he's number six at in uh just at the consensus rankings and I, I i talked about this in fft and five the, the problem for me with burrow is he was remarkably efficient that's not a bad thing like i know it sounds like i'm poo-pooing he was so great he can't be that good again but it's also true his yards per attempt and touchdown rate were both higher than the current active leader in both of those categories there have been 10 quarterbacks who have had a yards per attempt as high as him since 2000 none of them came particularly close to repeating it. So I, by my math, he needs about 50 more pass attempts this year to match the number of fantasy points per game he produced last year. Now, last year, those fantasy points per game made him QB9. The year prior, it would have been QB11. I don't see how he gets to QB4 or QB6. QB6 yeah, is... Is doable. I think QB four is going to take probably some injuries or some failures. But um, I mean, if he's QB eight, but he's you know half a point worse than QB four, you know, because we can certainly see it all bunched up. You know, that's going to probably be something that people will will look at and, and split hairs. Uh, I'm sure most people are going to say, well, he got three new offensive linemen, you know, new center, new right guard, new right tackle, and hopefully that's going to lead to better production. Um, and I know Heath, you're you're not saying to avoid him as a number one quarterback. You're just saying to avoid him as a top six quarterback, right? Yeah, I would put him in the same group with Stafford and Rodgers and Cousins and Carr, basically all in that tier at the end. And I think a couple of those guys will be top 10 quarterbacks, and a couple of those guys are going to finish 13th through 15th. And I don't have a strong feeling on which will be which right now. Now, Dave, you think, I, uh, if I remember correctly, that Burrow's going to be better than he was a year ago, correct? I think he's got a chance when you just look at – he threw for 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns, and his offensive line got better. So the pass protection is going to be better. And listen, he was, I think he was the, I think he was the top graded passer when under pressure last year. And he was like 11th or 12th when he was in the pocket. So that was kind of weird. That's almost backwards. Usually quarterbacks aren't like that. But Burrow, I think, has a chance to take a big step forward when he's got time to throw and still be good when he is pressured. I, I think there's room for him to but, actually have just better raw numbers more touchdowns than he had last year, and more yards than he had last year. I also think he gets more attempts than he had last year. He had 520. So I could see it going up. But that being said, it doesn't mean that I think that he's a top five type of fantasy quarterback. I'm certainly not targeting him any earlier than I'm targeting pretty much any non-elite tier quarterback. But the guys that he did name, the Stafford, the Rodgers, the Carr, the Cousins, I would put Burrow ahead of all of them. I think that he's worth taking. When you get to that midpoint, 
in the quarterback hierarchy, I think he's at the top of the list there because I do think there is room for him to be better than what he was last year. If you seem like you want to jump in, anything you got? Yeah, well, I just like he could be better, but it has to be volume based. Yes, that's my problem. Like the offensive line, I don't believe can make his efficiency better because his efficiency last year was otherworldly. It was the same type of thing we saw from Patrick Mahomes in his best year, from Lamar Jackson in his best year, from Josh Allen in his best year. And efficiency-wise, all those guys have been worse since that year. Um, so it has to be, again, I think it takes 50 pass attempts to get him to the raw numbers he had. Now, I'm talking per game because he did. He only played 16 games right this year, right? So, Correct. So, yeah, I mean, the raw numbers might be better because he plays a 17th game. But per game, I think he needs probably three more pass attempts per game just to match what he did last year. And and 4,634 is, is pretty lofty to begin with. So, right. you know, for him to do better than that, you know, you are asking a lot. But I do think I agree with Dave that he is ahead of that group that you mentioned, Keith. Uh, but I don't think he's that far ahead. So I do think that the ADP is a little bit ridiculous right now that he is a top five quarterback. Right. He's he's absolutely he's. He's absolutely going to take advantage of the hype that came with him making the Super Bowl last year. Sure. The casual drafters are going to remember that, and that it's going to push him higher in their minds. Well, it's also the the conversation we have a lot when you talk about two top-tier receivers and how is the quarterback not going to make those guys special when we're drafting Jamar Chase in the first round and T. Higgins most likely in the third round. Uh, clearly, the quarterback's going to be a big part of those guys having success, and so hopefully Joe Burrow does play well. But again, don't draft him as the fourth quarterback off the board, at least as of now. All right, we're going to talk about a lot of us, but you know what today is. It's uh, Thursday, April 7th. It's opening day, but it's also the start of the Masters, and the 2022 Masters is underway, underway, and the First Cut Golf Podcast has you covered with round-by-round coverage after every tournament day. Rick Gellman, Kyle Porter, and the First Cut crew are breaking down the odds board every night and bringing you analysis from the grounds of Augusta National. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast, available wherever you're listening to this podcast, wherever podcasts are found. All right, some news and notes to get to before we get back into the uh, bust conversation. And this guy might be a bust based on some expectations, certainly based on the salary, because the Bills are definitely jumping into the wide receiver fray of paying their star player. Uh, Stephon Diggs signed a four-year, $104 million extension through 2027. So Diggs going to be with the Bills, be with Josh Allen for the next five seasons, hopefully. Uh, But we know how the, the contracts work and how salaries go. They might not necessarily get to that point, but... Uh, does anything change for you in regards to Stephon Diggs? And, and we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, Devontae Adams and where he falls with uh, leaving the Packers, going to the Raiders, Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs, going to the Dolphins and kind of his potential failures. And, you know, the guys that have gotten pushed up, uh, Diggs is part of that, I think. Um, at least he is for me. Uh, but you have Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, probably going to be the consensus top three wide receivers. Where does Diggs fall for each of you? Uh, Heath, I'll start with you. He is right in that six or seven range. I did move Tyreek Hill behind him. I did not move Devontae Adams behind him in full PPR. So I think there's a little bit of a bounce back coming for Diggs compared, like if you look at the last two years, it'd be somewhere in between those, but a a good solid number one wide receiver. Agree 100%. I I think that he, he was already top 10 in, in targets per game last year, finished 10th in PPR points per game. A little disappointing. I think we were expecting Diggs to be a little bit better than that. Can he can he get much better than that in 2022? We're expecting Gabriel Davis to take a step forward. We know the Bills offense will change to some degree, some way, with Brian Dable gone, Ken Dorsey now calling the plays. Shout out Miami Hurricane. I, th- I think that he's still going to be the number one option. I think you're still going to see Josh Allen lean on him a bunch. 
you're going to draft him right around where Heath said, fifth or sixth off the wide receiver board, and he'll finish somewhere between first and tenth. Yeah, I, I think the the plus, if it stands right now, the receiving core, uh, losing Cole Beasley, losing Emmanuel Sanders, uh, even if Gabriel Davis takes a step forward, I think this is a boost for, for Diggs because I don't think Jameson Crowder comes in and necessarily steals a ton of targets. Uh, I think he's actually going to see maybe a few more targets go back in his direction like we saw two years ago when you know he first joined Buffalo and the rapport is there. And in comparing him to Adams and, and Hill, for me, uh, it, it's it's the rapport. You know, he and I know Adams and, mm-hmm. and, and Derek Carr go back to their days at Fresno State, but he's the one that's staying with his quarterback. You know, so I, I think all three of these guys are kind of in the same conversation with C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown and uh, Debo Samuel, maybe Keenan Allen, you know, healthy Chris Godwin. They're all going to be, I think, kind of bunched up at the receiver spot. But Diggs feels like he has at least one more year, hopefully a couple, but one more year. He's going to be 29 um of still elite level production so for me he's fourth after that uh trio that i mentioned of cup jefferson and jamar chase uh some more receiver news that could certainly impact how we draft these players uh but uh wip in philadelphia uh one of their guys there howard eskin reports that the jets were willing to offer the number 10 overall pick in this upcoming nfl draft to the seahawks in exchange for dk metcalf but according to the report seattle quote shut it right down so uh there there was talk at the nfl owners meetings Pete carroll was asked about uh, is he willing to to extend the contract for DK Metcalf because he's 24, his rookie deal is going to expire after the season, and are they going to start the contract extension now? And he said, we intend to keep him. Well, at the NFL Combine, when asked about Russell Wilson, he said, we intend to keep him. So everybody obviously speculating that knowing Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and the state of their franchise right now, are they going to get whatever they can for DK Metcalf? And if I'm looking to rebuild my roster, the number 10 overall pick, to avoid paying DK Metcalf would probably be something smart. So this report seems a little weird that they wouldn't at least consider it as opposed to, quote, shutting it down. So, Dave, uh, are we expecting a DK Metcalf trade, you know, maybe NFL draft night prior to that? Uh, I know we've talked about maybe Tyler Lockett being the one on the move because he's 29 and, you know, doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to stay on the roster. So is there going to be a Seattle wide receiver get traded uh, between now and, let's say, the start of the summer? I think there's a better chance that it is Lockett rather than DK Metcalf. I think Metcalf is is young. I think he's got a bright future. I think he's a unique body type. And I think the Seahawks want to keep him around. I think if they're willing to pay him and if they love him, then they have no reason to trade him unless somebody's going to offer a better deal than what the Chiefs got for Tyreek or what the Packers got for Devontae Adams. And I don't know if anybody's offering you know, five picks for DK Metcalf or anything close to that. Lockett should be the one that they they uh, they put on the block and see if they get any feelers for. I don't know if Philadelphia is the right team for Lockett because they've already got Devontae Smith and Lockett is kind of the same type of wide receiver. And that's why, you know, when when you talk about Green Bay and, and you know, just get another receiver to Green Bay, Lockett makes a ton of sense for Green Bay. Packers have draft capital that they can use to move to get him. He'd go to a contender. He'd have a chance to to play in a Super Bowl again. And uh, and the Seahawks would get some extra draft pick compensation. They already have a lot. They could certainly use as much as they can get since they are they seem to be rebuilding following the the deals of the rust trade and then getting rid of Bobby Wagner. But the other side of this, this all makes me a little nervous about Elijah Moore. The fact that the Jets were trying to trade for Tyreek Hill, trying to trade for DK Metcalf, that there's all kinds of smoke around them taking a wide receiver at 10. This is a team that's already, I mean, last year this this same group of people chose to give $37 million to Corey Davis, and they're going to pay him $14 million this year, whether they want to or not. They just gave $7 million this year to Braxton Barrios, presumably as their slot-wide receiver. I don't understand why they're so intent on going at another wide receiver this year. It seems like they have other weaknesses, but if they are, I don't think Elijah Moore is going to be the breakout that we would all like for him to be. 
Uh, I totally agree. You know, it's it's very it's very nerve wracking right now because you're seeing a lot of like you said, mo mostly the the draft capital. You know, so I saw one mock draft that Drake London going to the Jets. Um, you know, you can see any number of receivers. I saw another one today. I think it was on uh, NFL Network that they had Jameson Williams going to the Jets. So you know, there's any number of scenarios here where the Jets are trying to upgrade their receiving core, and I, I don't think Braxton Berrios is necessarily the the problem because he does so much of them on special teams. So you know, paying him was a big part of that. Uh, but Corey Davis obviously is not long for the team. You know, this is probably going to be his last season with the Jets. And, you know, maybe they're concerned about Elijah Moore staying healthy because last year he struggled to stay on the field. And so maybe it's okay. He's a very good player. He's going to be a big piece of what we do. But can we rely on him for 17 plus or 17 games? You know, and and, and we, we've seen this, you know, time and time again. It's kind of the formula for how you make, you know, your young quarterback better. You put weapons around him and hopefully have him succeed. And they've tried to do that already with their offensive line. So now it's a matter of what you do on the you know, the perimeter and, and making this guy better. They bring in two tight ends, you know, and CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. So they've tried to address that position. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the route that they go, but I agree with you, Heath. It's uh, depending on who they get, um, you know, rookie may not be so much of a problem for Elijah Moore, but if they do go get a, a splashy type of player, you know, maybe a, a Brandon Cooks, who's, who's certainly been rumored, you know, to be traded or is it Tyler Lockett or is it, you know, maybe they do or got a deal to get DK Metcalf. So it's interesting there. I just want to, before we move on, Heath, in terms of startup dynasty leagues, knowing that DK Metcalf status is a little shaky, not just because of his potential trade uh, scenario, but also his quarterback situation. Uh, how are you approaching DK Metcalf from a future standpoint now for, uh, you know, startup dynasty leagues? In my March update, which was at, after the Wilson trade, he was wide receiver eight, which is the lowest he's been in the last year and maybe the lowest he's been since the start of his rookie year. Now he's been between five and eight all of those times, but I, I feel better. Like I had him ahead of A.J. Brown. I'd rather have A.J. Brown right now. I think I'd rather have T. Higgins right now. And he's right there with Higgins and Waddle for me at the low end number one wide receiver, probably around two pick. And we're hearing also trade rumors about A.J. Brown getting shut down as well because of Titans. I, yeah. I, it just doesn't make sense. You know, Tyree Kill, 29. Okay, you got a huge you know return for him. Makes sense. You don't have to pay him. Devontae Adams, 29. Same situation. Don't have to pay him. These guys are so young. They're 24. You know, it's hard to get right. rid of these guys, especially, you know, that uh, you have to pay them potentially. But uh, at least you have their service for the next several years. And then they can hopefully get another big contract as well. It's just going to be this, this wide receiver market over the next couple of years, depending on how this year goes for Adams, for Hill. For Stefan Diggs, older wide receivers, two of them switching teams. You know, if the quarterbacks that they left still have success, teams are going to be a little gun shy about paying these wide receivers to the same level. So it'll be very interesting to see how this year goes. All right. Next week's schedule is going to be a lot of fun. Again, Adam's not going to be here. He's taking some time off, uh, some much needed time off for him, a little vacation for him as well. Uh, so Monday, we're going to be talking about bounce back candidates. So the flip side of the bus, the guys maybe who are bust last year, how they will perform in 2022 rebound. Uh, in terms of some down performances and getting back to the level that we like. Tuesday will be Dynasty quarterback and running back rankings, so a little bit more of the Dynasty conversation. We know you guys love that this time of year. And then Thursday we'll get into running backs with new coaches, new systems. So some of the guys who potentially have changed teams or have gotten some updated coaching staffs. So we'll get into those guys as well. But today is all about busts, uh, guys that we're you know, most likely avoiding in drafts. So you know we'll still draft them at the right cost. But we're not going to spend what might be the ADP right now or certainly what we expect the ADP to be. So let's just bounce back and forth a little bit, um, you know, so it's not just all Dave's list, all Heath's list. So we'll start with Dave's list first. So first guy we got here is Ezekiel Elliott last year. It was and, and this is where the bus conversation gets a little cloudy because his overall season, his production was good. Finished, I believe, as a top 10 running back. 
He was 16th in PPR points per game. Okay, so top top 20 running back. Uh, was a bust based on how he finished last year. So is he a bust again? Uh, and I think that's the question of where he will get drafted. So right now his ADP is as number the number 22 running back off the board, 46th overall, so going around four. And this is following the the and this is the NFC ADP following the Tyreek Hill trade. So is he a bust as the 22nd running back off the board in round four days? Not as much as he would be if he were higher than that, obviously. I, I think he's I don't think he's got a great shot to finish as a top 15 fantasy running back again. I'm worried about him holding up. I'm worried about Tony Pollard taking more work away from him. We talked about that earlier in the week. And 20, I think he's 27 years old. It feels like he's an old 27 because he's been around a long time. Uh, under the top 15 in PPR points per game each of the last two years, it makes me nervous to trust him just in general knowing that there's a younger back behind him who could end up getting more work. What happens if the touchdowns dry up? What happens if Dak Prescott gets more of the offense put on his shoulders this year? I'm just, I, I feel like I'm going to be out on Ezekiel Elliott. And the only way I'd be okay with him is if he just, I'm doing a draft with nine other me's or 11 other me's, and we all just think that Ezekiel is going to just peter out. And if that's the case, then I'll find him in round five. And I would hold my nose and take the chance on him then. I, I fully understand the concern. I, I just think if he's like in fantasy pros consensus rankings, he's 20th. NFC ADP is 22nd. If he's in that range, then I think there's every bit as much upside as there is downside. And I'm going to be fine. I'd love him in round four. Yeah, I, I think if it's in the first three rounds, it's a little bit concerning. Uh, but we get to round four and Ezekiel is still sitting there. It's hard to overlook what he still can be because he did play through the knee injury. So maybe that was a big problem for his production. You know, he went 10 games in a row with 55 rushing yards or less. That's awful. Uh, he was touchdown dependent, but now he's losing some offensive linemen. You know, Lyle Collins and Connor Williams are both gone. So a little revamp situation there. The one thing that could be interesting, and, and you mentioned this, Dave, I think in regards to uh, the Brandon Cooks rumors we were talking about before the show started, that they may be looking at Brandon Cooks, uh, the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys. We You're know, one of the teams. Yep. Uh, but we know Dallas, you know, three seasons ago, three drafts ago, they surprised us by taking CeeDee Lamb in the first round. We didn't expect that to happen. They're down in Mark Cooper. They bring back Michael Gallup. They lose Sed Wilson, so they might be in the receiver market. But what if they don't bring in anybody else? And they, they also brought in James Washington. Uh, Zeke was a big part of the passing game last year, and it was when Gallup went down in, in the initial uh, injury uh, when he had the calf problem. So can he be more of a factor in the passing game? And that sort of sustains him in PPR and keeps him in that top 15 caliber range. Uh, so in round four, you know, it might not be a bad gamble, but I do agree if he's in the first three rounds, hard to justify drafting there. Uh, round four, though, does feel a little bit like a bargain. So we'll see where his ADP ends up settling. All right, Heath, this one's interesting because you have Dalvin Cook as a bust. Um, I know age is a factor, 27 years old. Injuries are a factor. It's been a problem for him. Um, right now going as the seventh running back off the board, uh, 11th overall based on the NFC ADP. That's too rich for you. That's and that's closer. Um, again, I, the way I based it, it was he was at running back five. Uh, I think the sixth pick off the board. I think he's more of a bust at that cost, but still at seven, I have concerns. And the the obvious ones are the age and the injury history. But there's a lot of running backs that have age and injury history concerns that are probably going to get drafted in round one. What also worries me is that last year was his worst as a pass catcher in the NFL, both in terms of volume, 2.6 catches per game, a career low, 17.2 receiving yards per game, a career low, and in terms of efficiency, 6.6 yards per catch, 4.6 yards per target, both career lows. That worries me because Kevin O'Connell's offense has not generally been 
as running back centric in the passing game or Sean McVay's offense, if you want to say that, as Minnesota's has been. It's been more focused on the wide receivers and the tight ends, and they just happen to have maybe the best wide receiver in football and Justin Jefferson, who I think could slide right into that Cooper Cup-type volume. So I don't know that we really have a, a very good hope for Dalvin Cook to be a 50-catch guy again. He's only done that once. And I don't know that he's going to see the volume per game that he has seen in the past. As you can see, Adam Azer, for those of you watching us on YouTube, can't get away, uh, loves my my pullover here. It's not a jacket, Adam, so learn some fashion. Um, but Is he on way, vacation uh, or not? Yeah, if he's just sitting around watching, he might as well jump in. He says he's just popping in and say hello, so he misses us that much. Uh, Adam oh, uh, can't get away on his vacation. And I, I need to confess something because this has happened to me like three times in the last week. Every time I say Kevin O'Connell's name as the coach of the Vikings, I think, oh, no, that was the, the quarterback. And then I remember that it's the same guy. It is the same guy, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Tom Brady's former backup. He's been in the league that long. Or he's been around that long. Um, Tom Brady, yes. Uh, Dave, in terms of Dalvin Cook, so here's the guys that are going around him. You tell me if you like Dalvin Cook better or worse than these guys. So Joe okay. Mixon, better or worse than Dalvin Cook? Mixon. I'll take Mixon with the offensive line upgrade. You'll take Mixon over Cook. Okay, I'll still take Dalvin Cook. Uh, DeAndre Swift or Dalvin Cook? I currently have Cook two spots ahead of Swift in PPR. Javante Williams or Dalvin Cook? Cook over Javante. Okay, and I'm sure Heath, uh, maybe outside of Javante, have him ahead of those guys or behind those guys, excuse me. Yeah, I actually have, um, I think, Javante ahead of him right now. But if the and seemingly inevitable Melvin Gordon return happens, then I think you'd have to re- reevaluate that. The one thing that's going to be interesting for me with Dalvin Cook, and I do think he's getting to the point where we got to be worried because of his age. Um, but this offense, I think, is going to be dramatically better than we've seen. Yes. Uh, Mike Zimmer, I think, was just holding things back. I think he'll have more touchdown opportunities because they'll be moving the ball up and down the field a little bit more. Uh, his involvement in the passing game, that's something that I think we got to be a little bit concerned about because you're right, if the system carries over, same same type of offense that he runs that the Rams were running, you know, is he going to be north of 50 catches? I think right around 50 if he plays 17 games, but that's always a concern as well. Uh, but I will say this, though, if you're concerned about Dalvin Cook, make sure you're prioritizing Alexander Madison because if Cook does miss any time, we've seen Madison clearly step up, especially when he's playing the Lions, be a superstar. But uh, this offense, I think, is going to be the best version that we've seen in the Kirk Cousins era. Uh, certainly the last two years with Justin Jefferson, which says a lot because he could have, like you said, that Cooper Cup type of uh, season where he's just getting peppered with targets. I think Adam Thielen's still going to have another good season. K.J. Osborne should be on your list or Smith should be on your list. This offense is going to be a lot of fun in Minnesota. So I'm excited about that. So I'm still excited about Dalvin Cook this season. So I would not put him in the bust category, but I understand uh, your concerns. Dave, this guy feels like an obvious bust. I'm with you on this one, though. Cordero Patterson, uh, clearly not yeah. going to do what he did last year, which was clear, uh, just amazing and was great for fantasy uh, minus the last four games of the season. So if he got you to the fantasy playoffs, he didn't deliver in the fantasy playoffs. But otherwise, he was a savior for a lot of people. Over 1,000 total yards, uh, over 10 touchdowns. Um, we don't know what the Falcons plan to do with him this upcoming season. If he's going to be in the backfield, if he's going to be a wide receiver. Uh, right now, the NFC ADP is 36th at running back, 100th overall. Is that a bargain, though, if he's going that late? I don't think there's much harm in taking him that late. But I also... I'm I'm very concerned about him being able to keep up what he did last year. I can trace back the the failures that he had on the field to the ankle sprain that he had, and that he he tried to play through and he just wasn't anywhere near as effective. But I just I don't believe that a guy his age who broke out in what his ninth NFL season something like that is going to be able to keep generating numbers like he has been when the offense. I, I think it's going to change the way that they. I think they're going to change the way they play with Mariota under center. And unless Patterson is like 
full-time running back and like in great shape and like totally over the ankle and doesn't show any signs of wearing down. I, I think he's going to be an absolute bust. I don't think he'll be anywhere near as effective as what he of what was what he did last year. So it is an easy one to get away from. It's somebody that I'm probably not going to draft until double digit round territory. He yeah, stepped like, into Arthur Smith's head. And how would you use Cordero Patterson this year, knowing that right now you're down Calvin Ridley, you're down Russell Gage, your receiving core is a disaster. Kyle Pitts can only do so much, and you have a new quarterback. Your running back situation also is a mess too. So where, where are you playing Cordero Patterson? I, I hated Cordero Patterson before he came back to the Falcons because I really didn't believe that anyone would give him a chance. And I now I look at the Falcons roster and their top three wide receivers are Alameda Zacchaeus, Demir Bird, and Auden Tate. He's probably their second best ca- pass catcher and their best running back. So if I was Arthur Smith, I would use him just like I did last year. And if I get half a season out of him, at RB 36 as a starting fantasy running back, then that's fantastic. I think he's probably going to catch 50, 60 passes the way this team's currently. Now they have early draft picks. They're looking at wide receivers and quarterbacks with that eighth overall pick. Something could change, but their skill positions are the worst in football. I don't, I don't think it's close. Yeah. Besides from tight end. Uh, What's that? Besides from tight end. Yes. Besides their tight end. And so I, I think as things are structured right now, it's just absolutely – and I think that's an, a worthwhile thing. I don't think Cordero Patterson is going to hang out on for 16 or 17 games as good as he was the first 10 last year. But how many games of a top 15 running back does it take to justify pick 100? Not very many. Yeah, it's great value. It, it's absolutely great value. I think, again, you know, when you're talking about guys like Zeke and guys like Patterson, if you're drafting them – to replicate the performance either for Zeke, what he's done over the you know last several seasons, or for Patterson, what he did last year, then you're probably looking at it as a bust. But the value right now feels pretty good. Uh, but I, I do think you know they fall into this category just because of some of the expectations. So for Patterson last year, he had a career-high 153 carries, 618 yards, and six touchdowns. And he tied his career-high with 52 catches, 548 yards, and five touchdowns. That was only on 69 targets. So a lot of that was short area passes because of where he was lining up. But we'll see. They may need him to play on the outside a little bit more. I think if he's lining up more as a receiver, playing more as a receiver, this is this is definitely too soon. If he's playing more running back position, then this feels like good value. So it's just a matter of, I think, of how the Falcons are going to use him. And, and this is clearly a team you got to keep an eye on with what happens in the NFL draft. All right, next guy for you, Heath, is Cam Akers. So last year came back after the Achilles injury that he suffered in late July. Uh, miraculous to even see him on the field in the way that he was able to work for the Rams and helping them win the Super Bowl. But right now he's going based on the NFC ADP 13th overall, uh, 13th running back, excuse me, 26th overall. So really early into the third round. Is that still too soon for you? That's too soon for me. I, I mean, it was miraculous that he came back and I'm hopeful that that's like the beginning of something. And we see James Robinson at training camp and all of a sudden the Achilles is the <laughs> ACL and we don't have to worry about it as much. That, that yeah. That's going to happen at some point in the future. Hopefully it's now. Um, but I am just concerned that we've not yet seen Cam Akers be Cam Akers. And really, in two seasons, we've seen six games of the Cam Akers that would justify a round two or type pick. And that would ju- that guy was worth a round one pick. I'm a little worried that Henderson will have a bigger role in the passing game than he will. And I'm a little worried that the Rams chop things up just a little bit more because of the injuries that he's gone through. But they they didn't do that at the end of last year until they got to the Super Bowl because I think he was so ineffective coming off of that Achilles. 
I got to see it to believe it, man. I got to see him look good, look explosive, and and play a lot better than what we saw in the playoffs. Uh, he had a run of zero or negative yards in 29.9% of his carries. So nearly a third of his carries went nowhere, literally. That's a problem. I just, I, I, I got to see it. I got to see footage from training camp. I got, I'd love to see a preseason game. I'm pretty sure I'm not because hmm. the Rams are one of those teams that scoff at preseason games and they'll just play their backups. I think you'll see Cam Akers uh, go high in drafts on the thought of, all right, the Rams are going to be one of those teams that leans on one running back. That's their history. I don't, I, I don't know if they're going to because of what he said. They didn't do it toward the end of the year because Cam Akers was so ineffective. I also wouldn't be surprised if they added a running back with a draft pick. They still have some draft picks. They just don't have high draft picks. And so they could add somebody that they believe fits their scheme, and that player could come in and compete for playing time. And they still have Daryl Henderson on top of that. So I, I don't think Cam Akers is going to be the guy that leads this team uh, by a large margin in carries or maybe even any major running back metric, Heath. I think that we're absolutely looking at a very, di- very difficult time ahead for Cam Akers. So I agree with you. I think he's a humongous bust. What I would want to know is uh, is what happens to Robert Woods and Robert Woods now going to Tennessee. And he's a bust for me. I think you could see Robert Woods really struggle. And I'm going to tell you about that right after this ad break. Go to it. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're back. Fantasy football today on YouTube and in your ears. Keith Cummings, Dave Richard with you. Jamie Eisenberg will join us shortly. Robert Woods is a bust for me, Heath. And I think he's kind of an obvious one. Got hurt last year, tore the ACL, really wasn't amazing when in before he tore the ACL. And now he's going from a team that was very pass-heavy with a great quarterback where he had a, a significant role to Tennessee, which is typically one of the teams in the league that is like 50-50 pass run. Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. And he's decidedly the number two wide receiver there. I can't get excited about drafting Robert Woods. Can you talk me out of it, or are you with me on this one? Is he a double-digit round pick? I think it's obvious from what we've seen in the first three busts that you did a better job of choosing busts than I did because you chose players that the industry and the consensus ADP have already declared busts. (laughs) Robert Woods (laughs) has an ADP of 117th overall. That's the end of the 10th round. You can't actually be a bust in the 10th round, I don't think. Um, unless you think, unless, unless 
he literally does nothing. <laughs> you draft him and he and he just absolutely like he plays, right. but he gets four targets per game. And yeah. you keep him on your bench for a few more weeks, and you go, This guy is it's over for him, and you cut him and you'll waste the pick. And it's still a, a double digit round pick. And that's possible. I think um I have him ranked very, very close to this. I think I've got him wide receiver 46 or 47. I think the ADP is just about spot on. If he falls past this, I'm probably drafting him. If he goes earlier than this, I'm probably not. I don't know what to expect from Woods coming off this. I worry about injuries a little bit more for a player his age. Um, but like, I do think there's a little bit of upside in that the guy he's there with, A.J. Brown, has had very little success at staying healthy. And if there's a stretch, if well, first off, if Woods is back to his old self and there's a stretch without Brown, he could be a, a fantasy contributor. But I think this is about right. Wide receiver four, 10 round, round 10. I like it. Yeah, I'd rather wait till after round 10. I'm sure someone will see the name and remember the game and they will take him before the double digit rounds. And I'll be happy that they do because I don't think he will return that kind of value going to a new team coming off a torn ACL unlikely to get maybe even 800 yards this year. I hate to say it, but that's where we're at with Robert Woods being on the Tennessee Titans. Heath, you did play the bus game the right way because you you basically said that I'm Mr. Obvious with my bus, and maybe I am a little bit, right? St. Brown and then Zeke and Cordell Patterson and Robert Woods. Okay, fine. I don't mind. It's it's April. It's early April. We got time to be bold later on. But you don't think like that. You're going bold now, and you're doing it with Debo Samuel. You put Debo on the bus list. Last year, he was amazing for fantasy. This year, he's going off the board in NFC drafts, 14th overall, wide receiver five, and you say it's too soon. Yeah, I I guess like I've got the 11th pick, the 14th pick, the 22nd pick, and the number four quarterback as my busts. In other words, the consensus does not agree with me at all. (laughs) Complete opposite direction, and I don't know if that's a good thing, but I just – and it – it's a little bit the Joe Burrow thing. Like he averaged 18.2 yards right. per catch and scored eight touchdowns on like 50 carries. He's not going to repeat that efficiency. I feel highly confident in that. I also think with that role, he is a bigger injury risk than almost any of the other wide receivers that are under 30. And I think the the play of Trey Lance at quarterback is a very big risk factor for his receiving profile. I would still draft Debo as a borderline number one, somewhere around that wide receiver 12, 13-ish range. Um, And I'd still take him probably end of round three, but he's not getting there. I mean, he's the 14th pick overall right now. He's, He's closer to the first round than he is to the third. It's crazy to see a wide receiver average less than five catches per game and still finish top three in PPR points per game. And the reason for it was because of what Debo Samuel did as a rusher. 59 attempts, 365 yards, eight touchdowns. He had six touchdown catches and eight rushing touchdowns last year. It's crazy. And I have a hard time. I agree with you. I have a hard time believing that he can get that type of work and that type of hyper-efficiency running the football when you've got a running quarterback taking over and you've got a, a pretty consistent run game. I know we can't pin it to one guy in that backfield, but through the years, San Francisco's done a pretty good job of running the football. It, it would have to take a transition of Debo becoming like way more of a running back than a wide receiver for him to 
to fulfill this type of upside to go as the top five receiver in fantasy drafts. He was 24th in targets per game last year. Just crazy year. It's easy to bank against him. I completely agree. Debo Samuel's a bust. I just I want to keep going with my totally off the radar bust picks and go to the Las Vegas Raiders, where Hunter Renfro is the 30th receiver off the board and Darren Waller is the fifth tight end off the board. I don't disagree with Waller being the fifth tight end off the board. I just disagree with where he's going, which is in that round five range. I'd, I'd like to wait if I could on Darren Waller. I'm worried about both of these guys getting the same type of target volume that they got last year, uh, particularly after Henry Ruggs left the Raiders. And he didn't leave the Raiders. The Raiders kicked his ass to the curb. But when he was gone, Derek Carr only had so many places to go with the football. And Darren Waller wasn't there for a big chunk of that. And that's what helped make Hunter Renfro amazing. I don't want to take anything away from them talent-wise. Waller as a talent, great. Renfro as a slot receiver, great. And we know how slot receivers are in a Josh McDaniels offense. We've seen it for over a decade in New England with guys like Julian Edelman and Wes Welker and most recently Jacoby Myers getting that role. But I just think that there is going to be a sponge on the hands of Devontae Adams. DeAndre Adams? Wow. Devontae Adams. And he's just going to soak up those targets. I think he's a candidate for over 150 targets. I think he will get throws much like he did in Green Bay. I don't know if the quality will be as good, but the number, the volume will be there. And that just takes away from everybody else. Waller, a decent touchdown guy as far as tight ends go. That's what keeps him in the top five for me. Renfro, I worry about being in that in that. In, uh, in the Sterling Shepard range that we talked about earlier this week where he's 10, 12 PPR points per week. That's a good bench receiver, and maybe that's what you're drafting him at when you get to 74th overall on draft day. But he's he's if you're drafting him as wide receiver 30, that means you think he's going to be a number, thir- number three receiver in PPR. And I don't see that happening for him. And I think Waller's upside is just totally capped off, Heath. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with one and dispute one. So Hunter Renfro, I think, is a, a great call. He's my wide receiver 44. I actually have Sterling Shepard ahead of him, and I wouldn't take him until the 8-9 turn. So 100% agree with Hunter Renfro. But I th- and I think like part of the reason why is because I disagree with you on Darren Waller. I think there is enough room for Devontae Adams and Darren Waller to coexist and both be elite. It, Darren Waller in round five, I absolutely love. I prefer Waller to Kyle Pitts now that Pitts has Mariota. And so he's a top three tight end for me right there with Kittle. I don't know which one I like better, third or fourth. I wouldn't take either of them in round three like we were at the number three tight end last year. But I right. do like I do like both of them in round four. And I think this value in round five is just maybe people overreacting a little bit to the Devontae Adams acquisition. And so you think that that's actually that could prove to be a really good value for Waller. What did you project for him in terms of targets, catches and yards? Uh, let's see. hundred and nice bring that up. I, I know I'm asking you to go oh, on the right spot here. and find your spreadsheet. It's right here. 119 targets, 86 catches, 1,023 yards. Wow. Okay. Uh, goodness. I, I'd really love to dig into that spreadsheet and see Maybe you could just tell me this, how many, how many pass attempts per game for Derek Carr? Yeah, I can tell you total pass attempts, and then you're going to have to do some math on your own. But I've got my, five, I got my calculator. Let's go. We're going to nerd out. 569, which I believe would put him at about, don't tell me, I believe that put him at about 33 and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah. You had to use a calculator to figure no. that out. There's no way you went That's, in your head. That is that. my superpower is doing math like that in my head. It's completely mm. useless most of the time, except for the fact that I don't have to push a couple buttons. But no, that's that's what I do. <laughs> that's um, so yeah, I, I would have said your superpower is, is smoking meats, but you do you. <laughs> um, and I have Adams at not as many targets as he had in the past, but uh, ah. I have him at 154 targets. That's still that's still a, a decent amount. You can tell me how many of that is per game because nine. you're a math genius. It's nine. Yeah, nice job, Mensa. Thanks. Um, okay. But basically, I'm just poo-pooing Hunter Renfro. I think I, I think if Renfro is really consolidated in the offense and just isn't a factor, then I think your projections have a shot to being accurate. I just I I, I think that I, Waller could be big in the red zone. Defenses are going to have to make a choice. Who do you who do you shift the safety toward? Do you do it toward Devonte Adams? Do you do it toward Darren Waller? And I. I I think that there will be some teams that shifted toward Adams, and that's going to leave Waller wide open. I, I didn't ask you how many touchdowns you gave him, but it, nine would not surprise me for Darren Waller. I just don't yeah, know see, about I, the 80 I've, catches. I've only, got him, I've only got him with five. Okay, so I, I could see him having a huge number, big number of touchdowns. And a tight end that did catch nine touchdowns last year, I believe, is our final bust of the day, and it's Dawson Knox out in Buffalo. Now, the Bills... They, we already talked about this. They said bye-bye to Emmanuel Sanders. They said bye-bye to Cole Beasley. They bring in Jamison Crowder, and they also bring in O.J. Howard. It's a name that comes and goes on this podcast. I know that's an Adam Azer favorite, and now he's in Buffalo. Is is that acquisition, O.J. Howard going to Buffalo, the reason why you're going to stay away from Dawson Knox? I had Knox below tight end 11 before that acquisition, but that acquisition certainly didn't help because I think OJ Howard's going to be a force in the red zone for the Bills and gives them more options. I wonder if the the thing is that people see Cole Beasley leave and see Jamison Crowder enter and don't see that as a near one-to-one swap because I do. I don't think there's an enormous difference between Cole Beasley and Jamison Crowder. And so I expect Crowder to see similar target share, if maybe not quite as much as Beasley. His was always up and down. And I think Gabriel Davis mostly just takes over what Emmanuel Sanders left behind. I don't yeah. necessarily think there's a bigger tight end pie. And the tight the pie wasn't very big last year. Dawson Knox averaged 39 receiving yards per game. He was AFC East Robert Tunyon um, or <laughs> Pat Fryermuth. <laughs> Um, like those guys are the guys I'm always lower on. I, I prefer targets, catches and yards to last year's touchdowns. Of course. And he only had the 71 targets in 15 games. So even if he were to take a step forward, he could still fall below 90 targets. And I think that that number might be too high to even save around. I don't know if 71 is a fair number for Dawson Knox this coming year because of the additions they made. I agree with you on Crowder for Beasley. It seems about even the difference being that Crowder is going to have to learn Josh Allen, whereas mm -hmm. Beasley definitely knew him. And there were definitely games last year when Josh Allen push comes to shove. He knows he's got to find a reliable receiver and he knows Stefan Diggs is going to draw coverage downfield. Beasley was his guy. Is that guy this year going to be? Jamison Crowder, or could it be Dawson Knox? 
because he does have experience with Dawson Knox. Now, I don't have him as a top 12 tight end. I, I even like Noah Fant better than Dawson Knox. But I do think there is some room for Knox to be a streamer. Maybe if you like the matchup in week one, you can target Dawson Knox with one of your last picks, and he could be a streamer. But I also don't think that he should be somebody who's getting taken at where the ADP is, which is bef- it's round 10, 114th overall, and a top 12 tight end off the board. I don't see that happening. Heath, I agree with you. And Heath, you are the the one who calculates the numbers. You are the projector for the Fantasy Football Today crew. I'll I'll ask with the, I'll finish with this. What are your tight end numbers for Knox and OJ Howard? This is a uh, kind of a blind spot of the projections process, I think, because mm. it's uncertainty about how those two are going to coexist. And so I split the baby a little bit and it just drops both of them. So like I've got 98 targets for the tight ends in Buffalo this year. Ah, 55 of them going to Dawson Knox, 43 to OJ Howard. If that's the case, then Knox is going to be absolutely useless. Except so will Howard. Except for the weeks that they happen to score touchdowns, which will happen. But I don't know. We just win. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So. Now, if Howard's not as big a factor as I think he's going to be, then Knox could get back into that 70 range. But you said you weren't sure he'd get 71. I I have him projected for fewer than 71. Right, exactly. And I think that O.J. Howard going there is part of that. Thank you for bearing your soul. You admitted on the podcast that you've got a blind spot. And then you said split the baby. I I don't know what that means. You Um, do, too, know what that means. I've never split a baby in my life. Well, uh, we'll talk about it off air. Okay, that's good. Next week, we're back. Podcasts, three of them next week, plus emergency podcasts when necessary. Bounce back candidates. Start thinking about it over the weekend, guys. Who are the players that you think are going to bounce back in 2022? There was a player that I was ready to make the case for as a bust, and then I did my research, and now I think he's going to be a bounce back candidate. Here's a hint. He changed teams this offseason. Think you know who it is? Tweet it at me, at Dave Richard. Or tweet your fantasy questions, your dynasty questions, at Heath Cummings, SR. Don't forget about Jamie Eisenberg, at Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter. Don't even forget about our producer, Ben Schrager, at Ben Schrag on Twitter. And don't forget about Adam. Uh, um, you should forget about Adam. Forget about Adam. All right, for Schrager, for Jamie, for Heath, I'm Dave. Thanks for coming out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.